Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett, and on today's episode, we interview the one and only Mr. James Tuckerman. Now, James Tuckerman has a history of a tremendous amount of different avenues. He's been down from digital magazines to print magazines to now running B2B school. So James is someone that I've known for many years and I actually entered many of his uh, Anthill online uh, competitions and uh, they've had like the uh, 30 under 30, 40 under 40, cool company awards and uh, entered in and uh, managed to win a couple of those as well. So he's a great guy and he's gonna be talking to us all around B2B marketing because if you're someone who's going through and going, well look, I sell uh, huge drill bits, $250,000 a pop to mining companies. How can I use social media to actually leverage, have a conversation and make those sales? And this is what James is a specialist at. So he's a specialist at going, cool, what platform should we use? How do we use it? And how do we get those people in? So whether it's drill bits, law clerks, it's something completely different. And you go, I don't think I could find those on Facebook or Instagram. James is the guy for you. So we're going to cover off on number one, a bit of his history and, and the meaning around the world, the word entrepreneur in Australia. He's going to cover off on how can you leverage B2B. And then he's also going to throw me under the bus with a tough question at the end there as well around the four key buying decisions people make when it comes to online marketing. So if you haven't heard, he's also a speaker at our Certified Ballers Live event coming up in February 29th and March 1st. And you can check out tickets there at www.certifiedballerslive.com.au. And we're going to talk about everything he's going to be covering there as well. So before anything, without further ado, let's jump into the show and chat to James Tuckerman. Guys, I am joined today by the one and only Mr. James Tuckerman. Sir, thank you so much for making the time to catch up with us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. So give us a little bit, uh, obviously I've already, we've already introduced you a little bit to our audience, but give us a little bit of the headline because you've had a pretty interesting past where you've gone through and done a whole range of different things. Give us some of the uh, the highlight reel of some of the stuff you've been involved in and where it's led, it up, where it led you up to today. Yeah, well, I started my own entrepreneurial journey as a young magazine publisher. Remember those things <laughs> made of paper and ink? So I, I started one of them when I was 26 years of age, and uh, it's called Ant Hill Magazine. Still exists in a digital form, but uh, yes, yeah, so about 26 years of age, launched a print magazine called Ant Hill Magazine. Some of the older people listening to this might remember that, and uh, it grew to be one of Australia's top three largest business magazines, which is pretty wild since it was launched using credit cards and personal savings, <laughs> very small personal savings. It was launched from the spare bedroom of my parents' suburban home. And that was about innovation, entrepreneurship and startup culture. And that kept me busy for about five years. Then of course, 2008 was the GFC and Steve Jobs launched the first tablet and AdWords started to become popular and it was the perfect storm for magazines and the, and, and the, and the bottom fell out of the market and uh, we had to close the print. We went 100% digital and um, surprisingly over the next 12 months, we crushed it and uh, no one expected it, including me. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had about 900 bucks left and we spent $600 on a WordPress blog. And within about 10, 10 months, we were beating some of the business sections of some of the major newspapers in Australia, including uh, your major newspaper in Perth, 
<laughs> and uh, in Western Australia. And everyone wanted to know how we did it. So they wanted to know how we went, how we made this digital transformation successful. We ran a couple of workshops. As we began to run the run more workshops, we began, you know, we discovered that we could run a, a training business. Um, the the media company shifted, became went from Antil Magazine to the Antil Academy, and then a couple uh, permutations later, it's now called B Two B School, <laughs> and um, and it's a global online training academy for B2B business owners so that they can get more leads, meetings, clients, sales, sales and marketing, online community. That's what it's really about. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So it's a pretty good, a couple questions on that. When you said obviously um, the GFC tablet coming out, do you reckon that you, when obviously you guys transitioned, do you think that you were probably a little bit ahead of the curve with everyone else where they were like, you were like, no, this is actually like, you know, print is dying and we need to jump. Obviously there's some people still kind of clutching at the, uh, the, uh, the print, the print straws, if you will. What, what, what was it that indicated to you that you needed to make that shift? Well, there's a saying in magazine publishing, if you want to make a small fortune in magazine publishing, start with a big one. Right, because it costs <laughs> so much to produce a magazine, so it was a yeah. decision that was entirely made out of necessity. Because every print magazine is going to cost minimum, even a niche magazine is going to cost somewhere between a hundred grand and quarter of a million dollars just to get out one magazine. Wow! And uh, if you don't have the advertising revenue to back it, mm. uh, which is where all the money comes from, uh, the decision becomes very, very clear. Which is why, even when magazines were popular, the mortality rate for magazines was extremely high. Most magazines would die within like six to 18 months, mainly because the, the, the enthusiastic publisher would just run out of money. So early 2009, we just basically mapped it out. And we basically went, if we have two more editions, uh, like the last two editions, uh, we're going we're gonna to be in serious trouble. So the decision was, was kind of made for us. I mean, like, uh, but at the same time, it was, it, was, it was considered heresy. It was so radical at the time. Um, we copped these magazine headlines, like really negative magazine, uh, newspaper headlines and other things like Antel Magazine Bites the Dust and Antel Magazine Latest Victim of the Financial Crisis. And it was like really full on. And, but the only, you know, like all the industry were calling us insane. And, um, but our, actually our readers were basically really supportive. We wrote this long letter and we explained what we were doing. And, uh, and our readers came back and they just went, bring it. And, uh, and they loved the idea. But interestingly, um, there was a fairly outspoken journalist at the time that wrote a couple pieces that were really negative. And uh, that person went on to one of the major competitors uh, in, in Australia. And then 10 years later, that major competitor shut down their, 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 the print arm of their business finally. Oh, wow. And this journalist wrote this big publishing, uh, big uh, publisher's note at the beginning of the last print edition which was almost word for word what we had sent in our letter 10 years ago. Uh, uh, I love it. It took, the, it took the, the, the major competitor 10 years to finally f to figure out what we'd figured out 10 years ago. And the reason <laughs> was that they just had deeper pockets. Yeah, so they could, they could just uh, weather the storm a little bit longer, even though they were going for, towards the same fate. Yeah, yeah. And there will be magazines for the people who love their magazines. There will be magazines out there for a long time to come in the same way that when I said to my parents, uh, we're shutting down the magazine and the same is going to happen with newspapers. My mum said, oh, I love my, I do love reading my newspaper. And I said, I remember your mother saying, I, I miss writing my, my, my pony to work. 
Mm. <laughs> right, a, a to, the, to the city from, from Doncaster, right? Um, which is a, out a suburb of Melbourne, Victoria, where I live. People still ride ponies and they still ride horses, but it's, a, it's for a different purpose. It's for a different context. It's for a different use. And now, just like, uh, just like everyone who's going to be speaking at, uh, at Certified Ballers, um, my focus is now all, all digital because yeah. as Warren Buffett once said, about 10 years ago, he said this, and it was very inspiring for me, but he said, if someone came to me today and said, I've got this great business model, what we're going to do is we're going to cut down a whole bunch of trees. We're going to cut down a whole bunch of trees. Then we're going to pulp them. And then we're going to cover them with ink, which is made out of chemicals, which has been drawn from the ground or synthesized. And then we're going to get a whole bunch of trucks and we're going to get a whole bunch of vans and we're going to deliver it to people's houses using fossil fuels <laughs> to give them yesterday's news. I would turn around and say that is the dumbest business model I have ever heard. Uh, so true, so true, so true. Yeah, whereas when <laughs> we do stuff, we do, you know, we're launching businesses overnight. Mm. Like when was the last product launch that you ran and you just went, oh, you know what, I've got an idea. And then like somewhere between, you know, 48 hours and 44 days later, it was, it, was, it, was in the, it was in the world. Yeah, and like I do that all the time now. It's like we'll like from speed or speed to market for testing for us. It's like we want to do it so quickly, and we'll roll things out and we'll roll an idea. And it's like cool. Like the other day, I, I filmed a uh, a new ad. It was like a science experiment, and I was like, had the idea on Saturday, went and bought the stuff I needed from Bunnings on Sunday, recorded it on Monday, and it's live today. You know, so it's uh, it, it's it's all about that speed. Yeah, yeah. And you can see like behind me, you know, like uh, at the moment, this is my office. Uh, but however, I've got, this is the bit of my office that looks like my home office, but yeah. it's actually my real office. And then if I tilted the camera around, you'd see, uh, for example, uh, you know, like all sorts of recordings the studio, yeah. over there. <laughs> I've got, uh, I've got a second monitor. I've got my, uh, my Insta, my Insta cut out. Hey, so I can my, uh, yeah, we can just do things really, really quickly now. Yeah, and so with um, what's happening with with Antil Online is that you said there's still a bit of stuff that you do there. Is that and you've obviously got B two B school? Is there much happening over there, or what's? Because I know that you also had like a slew of um, awards you guys do and all that sort of stuff there still. What's um, what's uh, happening with it at the moment? Yeah, uh, so it still runs. I'm mean, like Antil Magazine. It's really funny because when it was a magazine, it was called Australian Antil. Then when we went online, everybody began to call it Antil Magazine because they needed a way to define it and they couldn't quite mm. define it. Uh, the URL for that is antilonline.com and it's just still been running for about 15 years. It largely self-manages itself. It's about innovation, entrepreneurship, startup culture, uh, that sort of stuff. As any business owner, I look at it and I know that it needs a bit of a, bit of a facelift. It's not getting as much love as it used to because my, my attention is elsewhere. But it's got massive goodwill and uh and uh and and great traffic and uh that was you know my contribution to the culture of australia because i wanted to make australians that little bit more entrepreneurial <laughs> and 15 years ago 15 years ago we couldn't even use that word entrepreneur in the magazine because it was an it, it still held held a ton of negative connotations but we were dedicated to the commercialization of australian innovation or something suitably wanky <laughs> but, then, but then about you know two about five years before we could use the word uh entrepreneur what what was the negative connotation you think was attached because it's interesting now that like it becomes a super buzzword like what was the negative connotation there 
You're from Western Australia, so uh, you would have heard of a, 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 a character called Alan Bond. Yeah. Uh, in, um, in the rest of Australia, you know, Christopher Scase, a whole bunch of other people were these o- entrepreneurs from the 1980s and the 1990s. And most of them were, were really, you know, uh, property barons building these houses of cards, but they were self-defined entrepreneurs and, and, and the word got a bad name. But um, yeah, but then it was probably about 2000 with the dot-com boom and bust where a bunch of people began to realize that uh, they could start these new ventures. The startup culture began to take off. But still in Australia, you'd say to someone, oh, I want to start my own business. And they'd go, pull your head in, son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a great job as a systems technician down at Honeywell. Go get that. Yeah. You know? And that really bothers me because then Australia becomes this branch economy where all we are is where these... Uh, head offices for um, for larger international global companies. Mm. And um, I actually went to, I went to a, a, a private school and, I, and I'm ashamed to say that a lot of my private school friends have just really ended up being middle managers within large international companies. Mm. And they're earning good money and living in nice suburbs, but they're not contributing to the Australian economy other than in the taxes that they pay on their income. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you, Kim, you went and created your own business you employ people, you teach other people how to grow their own businesses, they become more prosperous, they become Australian businesses. Uh, both of our businesses are global, even though you know the, the, the certified ballers event is coming up in, um, in, uh, in Perth, uh, in Australia, global businesses generating income from, from people all over the globe. That's what I wanted. Mm. And I'm more than happy for, uh, for the mining industry and other traditional primary industries to continue to generate income and revenue and export dollars for the Australian economy. But I would love to see more of that money be filtered back into businesses that are going to rely on intellectual property. Yeah, I love that. That's that, that's great. And it's, it's funny though with the word entrepreneur now because I think because it has become a bit more mainstream as well and there's a lot of people using it then sometimes i hear it and then it's like oh when someone says that they're an entrepreneur i'm like are you an entrepreneur or like do do you sell like do you sell network marketing stuff uh, at the back of your car and you think that's what entrepreneur like it's always so interesting because the word the words kind of go through shifts right um because now it's like i'm like oh should I say? in australia it's unlikely that you would call yourself an entrepreneur yeah thing I was on a plane flight and I'm sitting between a lawyer and a, and a young American backpacker. So we're, you know, we're making small talk and this, this, the lawyer, a woman in her 30s says what she does. And we go, you're a lawyer. The young backpacker talks about what he's studying, what he's doing. And then they say, what do you do? And I go, oh, I started a magazine and then I'm now running this educational business. I invest in these other startups. I got this, I've, just, uh, I've got involved in a business called Ninjodo recently, an amazing CRM. Go check it out. <laughs> as a passionate shareholder and you know and all these different things and then uh, and then the young american goes um oh so you're an entrepreneur <laughs> and that was the first time that i'd ever actually probably even considered myself to be an entrepreneur despite actually probably five years earlier maybe eight <laughs> years earlier at that point having uh having launched what was at the time probably australia's first and truest entrepreneurship innovation startup magazine yeah, that's so it's so interesting, right? It was because like so what would you what would you you know, I don't like to put labels on things, but how would you categorize yourself then? Like if you were to go like put yourself into a category, James Tuckerman, what category would you be in? 
This is that's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> when I when I talk to people like you know at a school barbecue or something, I just actually just say small business owner, and it yeah. usually just uh, lets me off the hook. Yeah. I used to have a fun. I had had a really fun time for about five years where I'd like say I'm a professional blogger. Yeah. <laughs> five years after we went from print to digital, and yeah. that was great because I just watched people go what. <laughs> like you're making money from from blogging, and the truth was we had a we had a we had a WordPress blog that we transitioned the media company over to, and um our per, our experience was that uh, there was about a year and a half two years where it was where it was living hell, and then there was about three years where the where the where the money just poured in, uh, because we had this uh, online site, and people were still paying the same amount of money that they'd pay for advertising dollars. Mm. So they're used to paying this amount of money for advertising dollars, then they're paying it in a digital context, mm. but we didn't have the same overheads. And uh, yeah, at that time, I'd just say, I'm a professional blogger. And they'd go, what do you mean? i go, I've got a blog. We run articles, guest posts. And then I'd be sitting like, you know, you know, in, you know, in, in the, in the, at the pointy end of the plane or whatever. And they're thinking, how is this possible? <laughs> oh. Uh, I love it. I love it. And this, I think it's the same. I think a lot of, especially in Australia, where where I think overseas, the, the term is like heavily used and people love saying this. They're an entrepreneur and we're over here. So yeah, we're a business owner. That's kind of what we do, uh, which yeah, I, know, I can't say one's right or wrong, but it's, uh, it's always interesting to see how people uh, talk about it. Well, I now often say trainer and people say, what mm. do you do? And I say, oh, I, you know, I, you know I, I'm a, I run a training business All right? mm. and, and they kind of get that. So, it, you know, they might think that I will go to a, se- a seminar room, which is not traditionally my model. And I know we will be doing that. Um, and that's lots of fun because you get to see <laughs> people and talk to people and pick on people. <laughs> have a really fun time. But uh, yeah, most of the time I'm sitting in my office in a regional part of Victoria <clears throat> where I can raise my family and, um, and uh, walk the kids to school and, 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 and the other stuff. So I use trainer, but then they like, you know, and they imagine me in front of a room of fifteen people, but really, you, it's more like you're having a webinar with a thousand people, mm. and and uh, you know, just even imagining a thousand people in a room is is very very difficult. Uh, but that is a fairly uh, a common thing for someone running a, a training business that's an international training business in this particular modern digital economy. Yeah, that's crazy. And so, and so, tell us a little bit more about the training. So, obviously, you're coming to join us at um, Certified Ballers Live, which is going to be epic, and you're going to be talking about a bit of B two B acquisition, a bit of LinkedIn, because I think a lot of people sometimes when they see certain social media things, and even though it's funny, right? Like I have a business which we do Facebook advertising, uh, so we work with businesses who want to get customers, and we use Facebook advertising to acquire our customers. They're like, oh, but like, are they going to be? Can I get B two B? Like, how do I? How would I get B two B clients? I'm like, well, that's what my whole like. I don't sell Facebook advertising to Pete who's looking at the latest update from Kardashians. Like, I'm not going to make any money doing that. So, um, <laughs> like, I think people sometimes get confused when it comes to the social platform. So, tell us a little bit more. What are you going to be sharing with us at Certified Ballers Live? Give us a com- uh, kind of a couple of little highlights that what uh, people could expect yeah yeah well i discovered a couple of years back uh so as i mentioned we, we sort of like went down this training path and this training route and we came up with, with some good methodologies and some other things but there was a point probably about four or five years ago when i realized that most of the training out there were for people who were selling something online mm. so if you wanted to sell a nine dollar umbrella or a 17 dollar ebook there was options there was tons of options and there still are tons of options 
But what if you want to sell, we, we had a guy come through one of our training programs and he sells uh, drill bits. And, I'm, and I'm, now I'm, this is mind games with you because the drill bit wasn't this size. But drill bits for $250,000 per drill bit. Wow. Just a drill bit. Yeah. Is that big? <laughs> um, for a mining company. And um, that's a complex sale. So people talk about complex sales. They talk about big ticket sales. Uh, that there is an example of a big ticket and a complex sale. Now, um, in his particular instance, yeah, you know, straight, you know, step number one, who's your target audience? And we got to figure out who his target audience was and we could drill it down to certain like titles within uh, mining companies. And then once we knew those titles and within the mining companies, the logical platform for that particular campaign was LinkedIn. Because the type of people that he was looking for, there might only be 3,000 of those people on the planet, <clears throat> right? So LinkedIn was, was, was the logical model. But um, when it comes down to, yeah, when you've got a product that you, where the sale does not happen online, uh, where the sale happens over the phone or face-to-face, maybe there's a booking order or there's a contract that needs to be signed, a, a, a different set of models and, and principles, but more specifically, a different funnel is required. Mm. So we have training products that range from $11. And sure, someone pulls out their credit card, tappity, 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 tap. But then um, we have, um, you know, we do, we do two-day strategy, strategy days uh, for, for $12,000. And uh, once someone's not going to pull out a credit card and go tappity, 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 tap. Well, what they will do, so our goal from an online perspective in that, in that situation, and it's very common to B2B, is that the entire sales and marketing strategy will often be therefore about getting a meeting mm. or a Zoom call. You know or you know whatever it's going to be so yeah so about i don't know about five years ago we realized that there was this great neglected majority of people that weren't selling something online uh and in the beginning that could have included uh, mortgage brokers and uh and you know and personal coaches and all the other stuff any situation where there usually needs to be a little bit of a face-to-face or get to know you and then uh over the last 12 months or so we went a little bit more focused into b2b and uh, that's just easier for marketing, you know. Uh, we have a saying in our training programs, one person, one problem, one product. Mm. So know your person, know their problem, and it's very, very easy then to come up with a product that speaks exactly to them. And that's what we did about a year ago. But um, in terms of at the event, if you sell a complex product or service or a big ticket product or service, that's the type of stuff that I'll, that, that I'll be focusing on. How do you use Perfect. digital sales and marketing strategies to get someone through the journey from a stranger to a suspect to a prospect uh to a client uh client or customer yeah yeah that's awesome man because i think that's the the big one and for for b2b one of the big problems i see is they go i can't like digital online no it's not it's not for me i can't do anything with it you know and then they just completely disregard and it's like well look there's aspects that probably aren't right you're probably not running an instagram campaign to sell your two hundred and fifty thousand dollar drill bit for sure, like, yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, like you know, not doing TikTok videos, dancing around a drill bit, maybe I don't know, uh, but I don't, like that's not gonna that's not gonna fly. So you've got to you've got to have those other ideas, and that's perfect, and that's why we're really excited to to have you along to share that because we've got a, a range of people, and it's is especially events like these. It's all about opening. Like, yes, there's going to be great content, actionable, actionable content, and the benefit as well that we, everyone has. Because a lot of people they go, oh, like, so if I go here, like, am I going to be sold all these products and services? And the benefit of CBL is that 
there's no sales. Like there's not going to be a, a, a sale behind every speaker where you're like, oh gosh, I've got to listen to this guy. Yeah, tell his story again, and then he's going to suck me in with his with his speaking strategies and make me buy stuff. Um, it's all actionable content, but it's also opening people's minds to what's possible. Because you know, if you're listening to this or watching this, and you go, hmm, I've been thinking about how can I sell my like my two hundred and fifty thousand dollar drill bit for an example. Coming along and seeing what James has to say is going to be what actually will show you what's possible on there. It doesn't mean you have to do it. If it's someone who's selling $3,000 websites mm. uh, and wants to be selling $30,000 websites, you know, or even if it's a, a, you know, a, a private consultant or coach that is working with people in a specific area of expertise, these I've tended to find are, uh, are, are a neglected majority. Mm. And the other really important thing about going to an event like Certified Ballers is that you can sit there and you can listen to what all the different people are doing and the strategies that they're applying. And you might turn around and you go, you know what, I desperately need some sort of uh, profile raising content strategy. Uh, and I'm listening to this person and, and that's what I need to raise my profile. But then when it comes to some sort of like more aggressive form of outbound, I might, I, I might, you know, Kim's fantastic at Facebook ads and that's where I'm going to use to fill my funnel. Uh, someone else might be looking at it and going, you know what, you know, uh, I should probably be following a more, a more organic strategy. And for that reason, I'll be, I'll be using LinkedIn. Or someone might be sitting in the room going, you know what, I'm spending money on Facebook ads right now, but LinkedIn ads are now beginning to kind of like find their own. Mm. Uh, you can still get much cheaper leads uh, on Facebook uh, and, uh, and, and much greater volume but LinkedIn is finding its way. Mm. And, uh, and if you want a very specific target audience, I was working with a woman yesterday who wants legal clerks from barristers chambers. Yeah, now I'm thinking that that was a tiny market, but there were 5,000 of them in Australia on LinkedIn. Oh wow. So, you know, but that wouldn't be a Facebook strategy. But me, no. in our biggest month last year, I think we spent about $45,000 on Facebook ads. Mm. We're a B2B business. It's called B2B school. We're targeting <laughs> other business owners. Yeah. The funny thing is it's, it's human beings, right? That's like where like they're going to be on, on online somewhere. But I think that's, as you say, it's, it's more, I, I don't think it's like, it's like, oh no, those people are only on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook. It's more so that what's going to be the fastest path for me to be able to target them and go, cool, how do I find exactly that segment? And in a way again, that you, my brain doesn't go... Yeah, exactly. Because it's like you could, you could really try if you wanted to on Facebook to find those legal clerks, and you could run uh, call out videos and do all this, all this sort of stuff if you really wanted to. However, it's going to take you a long time, probably going to cost you a lot of money. Versus going, what's the fastest path to success for me? Follow this instruction on LinkedIn, centimeters wide, kilometers deep. Use that for lead generation strategy, and then you're going to be off to the races. And the other thing, because you get to hear all these different perspectives and different strategies, you might turn around and go, you know what? I'm going to be using, uh, like we have this great set of LinkedIn automation tools that we use. And we've been getting leads on LinkedIn for like $1.20 a lead, meetings booked for like $6, all this other stuff. That comes through a lot of refinement. Mm. But, um, and we're using that. But so then, like, can, I, can I have that please? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll but talk after this. <laughs> well, 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 Kim came to our audience and he showed our audience how to, it was a, uh, a meeting grabbing strategy session using ManyChat. Fantastic. Mm. But yeah, so we use it. That's an example for LinkedIn. But when they come into our world, and if I give this the example of, of that fairly unusual one, 
the legal clerk, that person then might want to set up a Facebook group to get all those legal clerks on mm. Facebook. And then it would naturally attract other legal clerks to that Facebook group on Facebook uh, and complement the other things that and the other things that they're doing on LinkedIn. And then hopefully get to a point where that there is basically just attracting people on its own. So we started a B2B group on Facebook called B2B Talk with B2B Pros, which is a bit of a homage to one of the groups that uh, one of our one of my my uh, business partners is a member of. And uh, just by giving it that name, B2B Talk for B2 with B2B Pros, uh, we've got about 500 group members in about eight weeks. Wow! And uh, we had to put a little bit of effort in, and one of those efforts was inviting connections on LinkedIn to join our Facebook group very weird but now it's kind of getting to that critical mass where people are like being recommended this group because two of their connections are members and that mm. and it, there's just so many different options and it really just comes down to picking the hopefully the small few that are going to be that are going to be right for you mm. yeah, I love yeah. That. so good now uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll wrap us up with the final question. So I love this question. I can't remember. I got asked this on a podcast once, and I've been stealing it ever since. So I, by all means, everyone, this is not my question, but I love it. So what's one question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Oh gee, oh gee, oh that's a. Mm. Now you've done pretty well. I mean, like we've covered all all sorts of all sorts of different all sorts of different things. I can't think. I can't think of one question that uh, that that I would have liked to have been asked. There are many, many ways to to get the outcomes that you want when it comes to marketing, sales, marketing, digital, or otherwise. So many different options, uh, and it can get very, very confusing with all these different options out there. And we tend we can get pulled from one thing to the next thing to the one thing to the next thing. So one thing that I would say is that if someone like, you know, if you said, what's the most important thing or something like that, I would actually say knowing the end goal. So for example, one of the questions that I will undoubtedly ask when, uh, when, I, when I get to certified ballers will be I'll ask everyone for what I call their ultimate online transaction. And it is the ultimate because it's the final step online and it's a transaction because a transaction can be measured. So if you're listening at home, this is probably worthwhile doing, and you might have different answers, but, uh, but there are really only four ultimate online transactions in any business that I'm aware of. Having coached, directly coached hundreds, had thousands go through my training programs, supported hundreds of thousands through the blogs and all the other stuff, there really are only four of these ultimate online transactions. Ultimate, it's the end. Online, it's online transaction. It can be measured. Number one is an e-commerce sale. And that doesn't require much explanation. Tappity, tappity, tap, I buy something. And I say this because it's so important that you know your ultimate online transaction. If you know that that's your end goal, that will define your strategies, right? If So that's one thing. But what if you don't sell anything online like the vast majority of businesses? Well, it might be a consultant or a coach or a web developer or someone selling a $250,000 drill bit. And if that's the case, your ultimate online transaction is something that we call the incoming VIP, the incoming very interested prospect. And you know all about this, Kim, because uh, you teach this and this is how you help a lot of uh, your clients. And that's when someone's like books a meeting. Mm. So they go to Calendly or whatever it is and they book a time with you. 
and that's the incoming very interested prospect because they've they've gone out of their way and you run ads don't you kim i've seen ads on facebook where you basically say you can book a call with me you do that don't you yeah yeah that there is so that there is the second ultimate online transaction e-commerce sale incoming vip what if you have a retail business or you sell cafe soy lattes with a twi- with a with a sprinkle of cinnamon that's not what you order is it please tell me no. <laughs> and uh and you can't sell that online because it would still be impossible although my local guy you can go online now and buy it and <clears> they bring it but anyway but in most you know uh hospitality businesses and also in a, in a in a bunch of different retail industries as well too people still it's not the e-commerce transaction it's not the incoming vip you want someone to come into your store <clears throat> so the last step online buying something is the last step online booking the meeting is the last step online and if you're in retail it's downloading the coupon so you request the coupon and that's the last step online and that brings you in and once again i use the word measurable you know transaction ultimate online transaction because transactions are measurable and that particular business can down can measure the number of people who click on the link to go to the uh, coupon page that download the coupon that bring it into the store to redeem the coupon and that way they can say okay well I spent a thousand bucks on Facebook ads and made five thousand dollars I'm ahead mm. because we measure the transaction and so that's e-commerce incoming VIP coupon and I'm really gonna put you on the spot here do you know can you guess what the fourth might be I really get this is really hard I'd be astonished if you get it because it took me a long time to figure this one out uh, what about I'm going to go with like an online referral? Oh, 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 he's a smart guy, this Kim Barrett. <laughs> we call it the outgoing click. And that is when someone like goes to your website and they click on an ad and they go to somewhere else. That You're making money that way. And that's a, or, or it could be an affiliate, affiliate link within an email. Or it could be like one of those uh, comparison websites, like uh, mm. like the Meerkat. Compare, yeah, yeah, compare the Meerkat. Yeah, and you, and you go to the site and you click on a link to go check out a mm. credit card, and they make their money. And that there's and those and those four are the only ultimate online transactions that exist. Mm. Uh, in your business, Kim, you probably use at least three. Mm. Probably don't use the coupon in the in the traditional sense, um, but you probably have e-commerce sales. You have you get people to book calls. And you probably have a, a bit of referral marketing built into your business as well too. Uh, most businesses, what I would say is know what what your end goal is, your ultimate online transaction, and that will help you determine what strategies are going to be best for you to get to get to the end. So at the beginning, who's your target market? Where are they? Because if you can name them, you can find them, you can figure out their headaches. And at the other end of the spectrum, what, what what's your end goal? What do, what do you want them to do? So it's a clerk, and I want them to book a meeting. And then it's just uh, fill the spaces between them with the best strategies that are going to um, not just be most applicable for your industry and your market, but also the right strategies for you and your comfort zone and your skill set and all the other stuff that go that goes with it. That is that's gold. I'm glad I asked the question to get that last that last little nugget out of you. That's great. Um, well, that's that's awesome. on the spot. And I put you on the spot. And I think it was rewarding for everyone. Definitely, definitely. All right. So, guys, um, all the links to everything that James mentioned, all of his B two B school, his uh, his software platform, his and uh, Antil Online will be in the show notes. So, if you need anything, you can just scroll down and check that out wherever you're watching or listening. 
And of course, make sure you get a ticket and come and join us at Certified Ballers Live. That's www.certifiedballerslive.com.au. James and a whole slew of other amazing people are coming in. And especially if you're in Perth, you have no excuse. But even if you're in Melbourne, um, come along anyway. Like, Don't let a plane ticket get in the way. So many people are like, oh, but it's in Perth. It's like, yeah, I've, I fly to Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and Gold Coast every week almost. So come on, guys. Come over to lovely Perth in uh, in February. It's going to be great. So uh, I've got to I've got to extend on that plug. I just yeah. got to say one or two things to extend the plug. <laughs> Please do. Most of the speakers, if not all, the, uh, half the speakers, half the speakers or most, whatever, same deal, are traveling from interstate. Mm. That means that they are going to be having a really good time, which means that they're going to be getting into it, focusing. If you're traveling from interstate, that's some of the best training that you can do is when you travel from one place to another because you are. You are outside of everything. You can be focused. You can do all that other stuff. And then, as uh, Kim said, if you're based in Perth, absolutely no excuse at all because this is going to be the best sales and marketing conference of the entire year in Perth as far as, 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 far as I know of. Oh, Maybe it's definitely, definitely going to be. No one, ever, no one ever comes to Perth, so we've got really no competition. So <laughs> yeah. we, we can easily say that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But it will be. So basically, if you're in Perth, Sign up because then you don't have to, you know, pay for the flights to, to the other side of Australia. If you're in the other side of Australia, it's what is it, February? What yeah. a fantastic time to get out it's of your to office. Anyway. Get, you know, set aside the time and focus on your business. Anyway, sorry. No. That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, so guys. As always, make sure if you enjoyed this, like, comment, subscribe on whatever platform you're on. Let us know. Let us know what you thought of uh, James. Make sure you go get a ticket as well. Don't miss out on that. And until next time, we'll see you then. I'm Kim. This is James. We've enjoyed you. Adios.